2: hey everybody welcome back to the woody hayes athletics center this is the practice report it's brought to you by Byers auto ohio state heading into a huge scrimmage on saturday uh none of us will get to watch it but we'll try and bring you the best coverage of it we can as always that's Spencer holbrook tim may jeremy birmingham i am austin ward the tight ends took their turn in, in offensive coordinator and tight ends coach kevin wilson updating on the progress through camp about a week and a half in ahead of that big scrimmage um should we start there berm with those tight ends i mean we know what Jeremy Ruckert's going to provide. I think there was uh, you know, a time maybe heading into camp where there was uncertainty about whether Cade Stover would emerge as that number two guy, how far along uh, healthy G. Scott could be as he makes that transition inside, whether Joe Royer was ready. Seems like there's probably a pecking order that's emerged, but what did you pick up on, uh, on Friday morning?
0: Yeah, it seems clear that Cade Stover is the entrenched number two guy. I mean, what that means exactly I think is still what's up in the air because Cade Stover, Joe Royer, Gee, Scott, they all do something very different. And so I think a lot of it's just going to depend on the specific package that Ohio State is using for a specific play. Um, but what you've seen now with Cade Stover having at least a, a good year under his belt to learn it is a kid that uh, is feeling more comfortable. And, and Jeremy Ruckert said it over, over and over again today that. He's playing more free. He's not thinking as much. He's just going out there doing what he likes to do. And a lot of times for Cade Stover, that just means hitting people. And uh, I think that's why people are gonna love him there because at some point you're gonna see Cade Stover just absolutely flatten a linebacker this year and people will love him for
2: it. It came up again, and I've been talking about this really since before the NFL draft, Spencer, that or you and I both have, that you take Luke Farrell out of this. He was probably the most underrated player on that roster last year. You knew what you were gonna get on an every snap basis. He could block, he could catch when that opportunity arose. And a lot of this move towards the two tight end personnel was because what you had in Farrell and that allowed some of that freedom then with Ruckert to do stuff detached. But anyway, he could do anything he wanted. I don't know, you know if Cade Stover is going to be at that NFL draft pick level right now, but that's the kind of... Role they're trying to replace?
1: I think when it comes to replacing Luke Farrell, it's one of those things where it might take a village at first. I think you might need a couple guys in a set where maybe you usually would have one tight end and Luke Farrell on the field, you might want to put two out there. If you have, you know, if you want a a guy who can reliably catch passes, you might go with one guy. If you want a guy who's going to be able to block on the edge, you might go with another guy. So I don't know if there needs to be, because this tight end room is deep, I don't know if there needs to be one guy to replace Luke Farrell, but I know that they have to replace him because he was such an important piece of that offense, like you said. So then you look at what G. Scott brings in the passing game, what Jeremy Ruckert brings in the passing game and the blocking, what you know, um, Cade Stover brings, what even a guy like Mitch Rossi can bring when it comes to blocking. If you want to get him on the field in some, some short yardage situations, I think that would yeah. be wise. So replacing Luke Farrell doesn't have to be just one guy on this roster.
3: Yeah, I, I think saying even a guy like Mitch Rossi, and Mitch Rossi seemed to become a favorite son as last year went along, and uh, uh, I think Kevin Wilson likes him. He likes the effort the guy brings. Uh, he is their ipso facto fullback, you know, because uh, you know everybody's, uh, you know, bound and determined not to ever say fullback around here ever <laughs> again. But they, they run fullback plays. They did those with Luke Farrell. They did some with Jeremy Rucker when he first got on the field. He was he was playing fullback as much as he was playing tight end. I'm talking about a couple of years ago. And the Mitch Rossi brings that. But yeah, I, you know, I, I referred to the this tight end room as their Swiss Army knife because. These guys are all, not not just are they all different. I think they all have strengths in different ways. and But the bad thing, the, the tough thing for Kevin Wilson and his group is that you don't want to ever be predictable by who's on the field unless you feel you just have a dominant edge in a game, et cetera. But I like all five of those guys.
2: I think Berm has a working theory about that.
0: Yeah, they're the, they're the best group of football players on the team, and, and that's something that I was asking the guys about. None of them played tight end in in high school, so it's all about learning, and Kevin Wilson said it over and over. It's a developmental position. It's a developmental position. Even at a place like Ohio State, when you're recruiting four- and five-star tight ends, that's still going to take two or three years for these guys to develop. And, you know, all offseason, you could look at the Buckeyes roster and be like, wow, Chris Olave came back. Holy moly, Thayer Munford came back. Is there anyone more important than Jeremy Ruckert, (laughs) considering what's on the roster behind him at tight end right now? I mean, that is a, a very under-talked-about storyline because this is a kid who was probably going to be a second or early third-round pick just based on his physical abilities. To have him back changes the offense in a way that I don't think a lot of people are giving enough
3: talk to. But will they take advantage of that?
2: Yeah, I think it's easier to overlook that importance because, as opposed to what we talked about on Thursday with the linebackers, you're dealing with three or four of them and six people in that unit that you're trying to roll through and you know how many are on the field on every snap. Ohio State doesn't have to play two tight ends if they don't want to. Yeah. and Jeremy Ruckert can do anything that they could possibly want. Uh, when you get into what made Ohio State more successful, about a, th- a third of the time they were playing with two tight ends last year in the last couple years. So is Cade Stover ready for that amount of, of workload? Uh, is G. Scott, you know, he said he's in the honeymoon phase and he loves being at tight end because he gets he gets to eat more and he gets to block more yeah. than he does on the perimeter, which sounds like, pretty great situation. He and Kate Stover seem to have a lot in common there when it comes to wanting to put their face mask on somebody, but blocking in line is different than what he was doing against maybe a cornerback on the outside. So uh, I think he's got the frame to do that. And Kevin Wilson th- thought he could see that in both Kate Stover and G Scott during their recruitments. And Ohio State, you know, kind of tried to keep him away from those situations, but uh, that's a that's a big deal and uh, more practice going on inside.
3: Yeah, I think they're practicing the uh, PA system, but you know what's interesting is <laughs> they got to figure out a way uh, these guys aren't all the same player. I mean, they're not all the same position when you really get right down to it. They meet in the same room. They've got different roles for them. I even asked G. Scott facetiously, you know, do they need to come up with another position name, you know? And he said, you know, basically, I don't know, you know, whatever. I, I came up with a great one for him, Call him the G-back, you know? But uh, they all bring something different. And that's where football is headed, man. Uh, there's no pigeonholing even position names.
0: Bejesus. Jesusly, Yeah,
3: well, no. Yeah, we're not going to do that. That
0: we're wasn't gonna, we're get what back... I said
3: was funny. Oh,
2: I don't know if any of them are that funny. The G-spot might have been the one to no, go no. with. No,
0: the... I said G-back. <laughs> Changed the entire I'll, reading of the I show. I said
1: G-back. <laughs> man, well, we
2: just went R-rated.
1: I'll get us back on track here. I think the tight end- It's ends... a medical thing. Oh. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> In one- Forgot about that. <laughs> if you look at this tight end room, what it can do for this offense is make the defense bigger and make the defense have to put another linebacker on the field. If you have yep. two tight ends on the field, the, they can't. Those linebackers can't cover wide receivers. So if you have to respect the two tight ends, that makes your defense change, which makes your wide receivers probably a little more open. The biggest thing for me with that is the <laughs> is the idea that all of these guys have to be respected when they get on the field. Bingo! It's, you got to throw the ball to Jeremy Rucker. Yeah.
3: I mean, this is his last. This is your last shot to make him what Urban Meyer said was the best tight end prospects he's he's ever seen. Uh, you know, yep. up, up until then. I mean. You take advantage of what this guy brings, but you got the, all these other guys. You know, you gotta. I don't want to say keep happy; not the right word. But if you can hit a 40-yard pass to to Chris Olave as opposed to a 20-yard pass to Jeremy Ruckert, what which one are you gonna take? That's, I'm taking the 40-yard pass. Yeah.
1: But I think these these tight ends, like they've always been. I guess I'm taking the it's contrarian not. opinion here. Is these tight ends are just as effective by just being on the field than they are catching the ball because with Jeremy Ruckert and his ability, you have to cover him. And if you don't, he will be open and he will catch the ball, but you have to cover him, which opens the the door for a Jackson Smith and Jigba in the slot, an Emeka Ibuka in the slot, somebody out of the backfield catching the ball like a Trey Sermon last year. These tight ends are such incredible decoys that they don't have to catch the ball to have a crazy impact on this offense, but if they do, it'd be great.
2: That's Spencer's schematic breakdown. It's brought to you by Byers Auto.
1: But are they decoys if
0: they're not being used? And that's something you- Ask Clemson. Sorry. I, I just say, But they were used against Clemson. Yeah. Because
2: they'd been decoys you're all saved. along. Oh, oh it's the you chicken saying. or the I see egg the here, I see what you're
3: saying. I mean, Gronk <laughs> caught two touchdown passes in the Super Bowl.
0: I think that with someone like Kate Stover being firmly entrenched kind of as that number two guy right now just only lends further credibility to what I said on Tuesday and to me when Ohio State's talking about beefing up the right side of that offensive line by putting DeWan Jones there I think you're looking at a team that's recognizing that it's its identity may be a little bit more ground heavy than it has been in the last few years and you put a guy like Stover out there alongside Dewan Jones people just like to hit people and run them over and maybe the offense isn't going to be as uh, d- reliant on throwing the ball 40 yards down the field as it has in the last I think there's
3: years. a combo there, though. Number one is what you said. Yeah, they may have to lean on the running game a little bit, get let these quarterbacks get their feet under them. But number two, Dewan Jones, by everybody you talk to, ha- has worked his way to deserve the chance to be on the field. I and, want to uh, tackle eligible so,
0: play to DeJuan Jones. I, that's what I want. That's <laughs> why I
3: keep asking these guys. I mean, they, they, could, they could line up in all kinds of ways offensively. There aren't many offenses in the country, you know, Washington State, when Mike when Mike Leach was there, I mean, you know, Mississippi State now they can't line up in like all these myriad uh, formations because they don't have the personnel to do it. Ohio State could almost be anything it wants to be, but he wants to line up
2: well. They also always have a, and
3: knock you on your butt.
2: They you also know? have a one trick pony coaching their team, so that well, yes, that doesn't help. That's my point. Uh, Mississippi State, uh, and then formerly Washington yeah, State, right. and yeah. Texas Tech before that. Yeah. Just figure it out. Um, how will they line up uh, on Saturday in this key scrimmage? Uh, we'll wait and see. Uh, a little bit of a health update on Ther Munford. Don't know specifics about the injury, but I don't expect him to participate on Saturday. Looks like Ohio State will be targeting uh, Monday to get him back. Not, I've been told by multiple people, not a serious situation. Uh, we'll see Tyreek Smith and Jerron Cage both walking through the facility today. Uh, Garrett Wilson seemed just fine as well. So uh, nothing, I don't think, any anything really to stress about there. Um, and Ther Munford doesn't necessarily need these reps right now. So that could be. A nice situation for Matt Jones at left guard coming into the coming days so that he can be ready potentially uh, or Josh Fryer. Um, I think that they're still trending towards this lineup that we talked about all week, but uh, I don't think that'll be on the field on Saturday. I don't know what that means, uh, if anything, because that's not probably a position battle with their month. You know he's going to be on the field no matter what.
1: And
0: hey, what value is there in us seeing a scrimmage anyway?
2: A lot, but oh, is there? Yeah,
0: Um, no. I think obviously the big thing people are going to want to know about Saturday is the quarterback situation. Kyle McCord lost his black stripe on Thursday night. The opportunity is there for him to, you know, drive a further wrench into the plan here. And and the Buckeyes want to have that quarterback situation figured out by Monday, and that's going to be an interesting weekend.
3: The little we've gotten to observe, you know, and we believe me, we've gotten to observe more than we usually do. Uh, It just looks like C.J. Stroud has evolved, and I thought he was doing that in the spring. He has evolved into the leader. I mean, I, I don't know if you, you know, y'all are watching it like, like I am. Just the, his own body chemistry, the way people react to him and stuff. And, uh, you know, I would think by Monday, like you're talking about, I think we're going to know who the starting quarterback is. Maybe not. Maybe they prolong it. Because uh, anybody can have a bad scrimmage and throw it. Or Kyle McCork can step and, and really go crazy in the scrimmage. Because, you know, if a guy's better, you've got to play him. Right. But uh, it just looks more and more like it's C.J. Stroud's team and eventually he'll be anointed.
2: I feel like that leadership was showing up uh, in the summer when we were here. A lot of workouts, the recruiting camps for these two guys to watch. And yeah. and I was you know, peeking around at some other things. CJ Stroud leading some of these throwing sessions and working and just being around guys during workouts. You could tell sort of that he had taken the reins and wanted that leadership role and that guys were looking to him. So nothing that I've seen in August has changed that. Although as, as Berman and I have talked about many times, I, it's hard not to be impressed with what Kyle McCord has done.
3: Yeah.
2: Um, and I don't know that that's enough to change the top top of that pecking order, but I think there's a really good chance that Kyle McCord will leave tomorrow, Spencer, as that number two guy.
1: Yeah, and I think one of the things about CJ that kind of stands out to me is like in the past couple of years when Justin Fields like walks into, into the facility, walks around, yeah. he almost has like that presence about him of, of just you know, QB one almost. Yeah. You kind of starting to feel that a little bit with CJ Stroud. He walks around, he kind of just has a different look about him, a different tone to him. Right. I think he's really taken command and taking control and kind of put the ownership on himself to become what he should become as you know a five-star prospect in the starting quarterback in Ohio State. With that being said, like you said, Kyle McCord has made this into a much more interesting battle than, than I would have thought as a true freshman to be able to come in and learn the offense and then show his skills the way he has. The fact that he's even pushing C.J. Stroud to me is, is really, really, you know, a tip of the cap to yeah. come accord. But that had to
3: happen. They, none of these guys have thrown a pass in a real college football game. You had to bring along that backup dude. You know, you have to. You know, that parent of definitely goes for quarterback at Ohio State. Mm-hmm. And just like going back to what you were just talking about, it's funny when you get little glimpses behind the scenes, like when you tweeted that that tweet about Steel Chambers working with the linebackers,
2: yeah.
3: you know, it's come to fruition. I mean, you don't just step up <laughs> the first day of preseason camp and go, I'm a linebacker. Now, Zach Boren stepped up the first day of Indiana week back in his senior year, became a linebacker, but
2: that's a totally different. Very few people are Zach Boren. I think we can all agree on that. Yeah. I'm just
0: impressed by the entire uh, mindset of all three of the quarterbacks, honestly. The way that they've all just kind of head down, you know, shut up, do the work. And I I think that it's an evolution of the position. what's kind of always been the, you know, a diva position in college football. It's changing here, and and you saw that back in the last couple of years. With Justin Fields, obviously, the anointed starter from the minute he got here, but he never took it for granted, and always was the hardest worker. Always was leading the team, you know, behind the scenes and in front of the scenes. And I think that what you saw with C.J. Stroud last year, getting a chance to work alongside Justin Fields as Justin Fields fought for the season last year, I think you got a chance to see a kid learn what it means to lead and and to do it without always having to be a big mouth about it. You just come out and you do your job. And I think that's actually probably why Kyle McCord is such a good, um, you know, pusher for CJ Shaw, because Kyle just is a grinder. That kid's going to work his tail off. And I think everyone in that room is doing the same hey,
3: thing. one quick before you go. How, how, how much are things going to change though when the guy with the, uh, with the mullet shows up? Uh, Not siempre, at all. I mean, no, but I'm just talking about football players are like us in a way. They're curious, you know, they want to see what this guy's all about. I mean, I think that's going to be a, and interesting how Ryan Day handles that when, uh, when Quinn Ewers shows up, uh, I think is going to be interesting because can, you can be a distraction in the middle of a preseason camp. You know? I, I've I mean,
0: said this a few times. And
3: I, I'm not saying, you know, I'm yeah. not at all saying he's going to come in and challenge for the starting job, but, I'd be, but he is a curiosity without a sure. doubt.
0: I, I, and CJ knows him pretty well. They got to meet each yep. other this summer a couple times. And so there is some familiarity there. But I've said this on radio shows and stuff in the past. Quinn Ewers, the chance to come in here and not have anyone talk about him is gonna be the best thing for him. It's gonna be a a three month, four month learning period and for for Quinn to not have to be the center of attention. And I think that that's probably the best thing for him and for the other guys on this team is that everyone understands when he walks in here, he's quarterback four and and that's gonna be his role, at least
3: for a few months. Not have anyone talk about him, though? I mean, I, well, mean, you know, I, but, I understand what you're saying, but
2: that... There, I don't think he's going to be in a position where people are going to be able to rave about Quinn Ewers because he, what can he run if he is able to practice on Wednesday or Thursday He won't know any of the offense. He won't know any of the scouts. – I'm I'm not
3: talking about that. I'm talking about people – But you asked how it's going to change things. No, I'm talking about people are curious. I mean, even football players are curious about this new guy coming in. Sure. You know, from, wow, we've got the world's greatest quarterback to who the heck heck does he think he is to whatever. And then you're going to see pregame warm-ups, and fans are going to be talking about
1: what they're seeing when he's throwing the – I mean, it's going to be a curiosity. There's no doubt about it. And something like that can be a distraction for an immature team. Yeah. But – we're not talking about an immature team here. We're talking about a team that obviously has its leaders set in stone, that obviously comes in every day and grinds, that doesn't care who joins the roster, whether you're a five star or a two star, or you're a walk on. So it could be a distraction on maybe any other team other than maybe Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame. The, the, maturest team, the mature teams know how to handle this kind of thing. And for a guy to come in in the middle of camp, there's no anointings, Quinn Ewers is not going to be in front of the media whatsoever. He's not going yeah. to talk to us. We don't watch practices during the season, so he's not going to to, to flash anything during practices. We will not even see him probably until January unless he, he's a he's dressed just to be dressed in the horseshoe for the Akron game. Yeah, and it's so it's not a distraction at all.
0: It seems like an unprecedented situation, but JT Tuomaloa just showed up here two weeks ago exactly. and, and was in the similar position as Mr. Five Star Everything, and he's just walked in and acclimated and been part of the team and I expect the Queen Rivers to do the same thing and yeah. no one in that locker room is going to pay deference to him that he doesn't earn and you know I think that obviously the media we're going to want to talk about him because we, we all want to talk about the the shiny new object but um, you know the fans are going to watch it on game days and say oh look at the way he throws the ball but yeah. none of that matters right. so, I don't know
2: none of that matters. you have I'm- to know where you're throwing the football I just yeah. I keep stressing that a lot and I think that's important because there's not an expectation anywhere in this building that Quinn Ewers is coming in and I don't think even whatever his flight is that he's arriving with that. I've said that every time we've talked. That conversation was had beforehand. You're not going to be ready physically. You're definitely not going to be ready mentally. We know that he throws a great football. We've talked about that since going down there in May and you've seen him at the Elite 11. Nobody's debating any of that but I don't there's not going to be a lot of other stuff besides individual work for Quinn Ewers to do.
3: Oh no I'm not saying guys on the team are going to shove him in there right now. I'm just saying there's going to be a curiosity there i just i'm i'm kind of looking forward to it because this team you know this is the one of the elite i think one of the elite two programs in the country clemson's right there too maybe elite three programs in the country and it just seems to get richer by the day in one form or fashion you know and uh and the quinn ewers is a great example of that there's going to i'm just curious on i'm curious to watch or find out how ryan day corey dennis and everybody just sort of handle that because it is like a budding rock star sort of showing up, but he's going to be singing, playing the bass yeah, he's, and singing, he's singing back He's singing
0: acapella though, and yeah. doesn't have the rest of the band to acapella. play with him. Yeah. You know how you get rich? You let your money work for you, right? Yeah. So for the team like Ohio State, the richest, one of the richest of the rich, yeah. you come in here and you make sure he earns it. And it's not about putting him out there front and center and saying, okay, this is our money, this is our guy. If he doesn't come in here and, and earn it and pay dividends on himself, then none of it matters.
2: Big weekend coming for the Buckeyes scrimmage on Saturday. Potentially looking at a new starting quarterback for the Buckeyes early next week, maybe Monday. Uh, We'll see how that be about the timeline that Ryan Day used with Justin Fields a couple years ago. Uh, We'll see. Uh, Ohio State trying to get healthy as well coming out of that scrimmage. That'll be their uh, primary goal in addition to getting physical, according to Kevin Wilson and Ryan Day. Try and get as many updates on that uh, as we can to provide full coverage of the Buckeyes all year for you at LettermanRow.com. That's Spencer Holbrook, Tim May, Jeremy Birmingham. I'm Austin Ward. We will see you back here at the Woody Hayes Athletic Center on Monday.
3: It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win?